Welcome to your best riding life. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, you'll receive tips and strategies from experts in the riding and publishing industry to help boost your best riding life. Let's get started. Today, we're looking at how to deliver hope no matter your riding genre with my very special guest, A.C. Williams. Amy is a coffee-drinking, sushi-eating, storytelling nerd who loves cats, country living, and all things Japanese. She'd rather be barefoot if she isn't. Her socks will never match. And I will tell you that from experience, they do not match. And with books in space opera, superhero adventure, and action comedy, Amy loves helping authors discover the genre-defying joy of speaking truth in fiction. She is so good at that. It is so awesomely great to have you here on Your Best Writing Life, Amy. Thanks, Linda. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're going to have a good time. And before we get to our content, I love doing this portion of the show. It's just right at the right at the very beginning. Those of you that maybe this might, might be the first episode you're listening to, we like to look kind of behind the curtain, get a little bit of insight into the life of our industry expert. And what I'd like to do right now is I'd like to find a little bit more about you, Amy, that maybe people wouldn't gather from your bio. So go ahead. Give me, give me your best shot. What do you got? Well, you mean like my deepest, darkest, guiltiest secret? Um, okay, sure, sure. Will that work? Sure. <laughs> I don't know if I, I, I would. I would go with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people. I, I'm kind of a a tomboy. I'm I'm not girly. I'm not frussy or or frilly. But Linda, I love girly candles and soaps and bath stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really embarrassing. Um, I mean, I grew up climbing trees and, and wrestling sheep and slaughtering chickens, uh, but I could, I could spend a million dollars at Bath and Body Works. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that would absolutely qualify, Amy. I will tell you yeah. that right now. Okay. I, I mean, the only, the only other thing that could possibly compare to how much money I could spend on candles is office supplies, notebooks and, and bu bullet journaling things and, you know, but there are there are worse things to be addicted to, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, yes, of course there are. Of course there are. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not it's not really bad, you know. I mean, uh, the only thing I could say is that maybe if you started making your own candles, that might be a little much. But you know. <laughs> well, um, uh, what? Uh, uh, I kind of am getting ready to start. I, I figured I needed a non-writing related hobby. And because I love candles so much that maybe I ought to try making them for myself. So my sample starter kit just came last week. <laughs> Are you kidding? No, I'm serious. I, I have a little electric burner and a, a scale and about three pounds of soy wax. Um, yeah. Oh, this is so good. I love it. I, I would, I'll take pictures. <laughs> well, you're going to have to take pictures. I'm absolutely going to have to see this. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I tell you what, Amy, I love your authenticity. And you really are a, a gal after my own heart. You truly are, except for girly candles. Yeah, honey, oh, I, that's, well, that's not, okay. my, not my place. But I will tell you, you got me on the notebooks, the journals, 
the pins. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Right yeah. there with oh, you. Oh, have you have you seen the new Sharpie gel pens? No. Sharpie gel pens. They are life changing. Okay. Um, now I'm going to have to write that down and find me some Sharpie gel pens. I, I okay. can I can I do can... a commercial for them. They're amazing. <laughs> Well, today what we're going to do is we are going to tap into your writing mojo, all right? So this is what we want to do. We want to discover today how to deliver hope no matter your writing genre. Mm -hmm. And we're going to kind of, I'd, I'd like to take a different slant on this if we could, Amy, for just a moment, because knowing that you were going to be on the show, just really my heart was being impressed with the fact of looking at our younger generations today. I mean, we're looking at, you know, moving from youngest to up. We have the Gen Z Zoomers. We have the millennials. We have the Gen Xs. And I'm looking at where they are today and how writers can reach them. And so my thought was, I know we're looking at how to put hope into our writing, but I was just wondering what is the best way to reach the younger generations today? Is there something that we need to be aware of? Is there something that in our writing we can easily do that may not target our audience? It could possibly push them away. And I hate to throw this at you, but I figured, <laughs> I figured you'd, you'd throw something back at me. So give me, oh, give well, me what you, you know. I, you know, Linda, I'm always happy to tell people more than I actually know. So, um, the, <laughs> but, but I, I can speak to, to writing to a younger audience. Many of my, my own readers are younger than I am. And it's, it's one of those kind of funny things. Cause I technically fit into the millennial audience. I'm the, I'm the millennial generation. I'm one of those micro generations. Uh, I think we're called the Xennials. We're, we remember audio cassettes and Johnny Carson, you know, things like that. But, okay. but we, we had, we had the analog childhood and the digital adulthood. So we're, we're, we don't really fit in with other millennials, but, but we are still technically part of that generation. And so we have a lot of the same values and a lot of the same characteristics. Okay. Okay. And the thing that I have noticed with most millennials and the millennial audience is this desperate yearning desire for authenticity. It can be very difficult to write fiction with authenticity because, well, especially with fiction, it's not you. You are writing other characters. And so the best way that I have really found to communicate authenticity through fiction is to create characters who are authentic and let them tell the story, let the characters experience the events of the story and keep my own narrative out of it. Um, mm. Because basically what, what ends up happening is hope, hope and truth and encouragement and all of those things that as Christian writers, we want to communicate. Those are really difficult to to inject into a story. It's not something that you can just snap your fingers and it happens easily. It it takes work and it takes an understanding of human nature and human psychology and the culture that we currently live in. So it's not necessarily that hope or writing about hope is different. It's not like we live it any differently today. But we do need to communicate it differently in our writing than we have 
in the past. I, I remember as a younger person, um, I would read books, uh, specifically a lot of Christian fiction books, and they, they didn't resonate with me as a teenager. And a lot of that is because the characters or the, the author voice would come through the story so strongly telling me what was right and what was wrong. Um, and maybe this, I don't know, maybe this was me, I would say that, except that this seems to be a characteristic of the millennial generation, that we don't, we, millennials and, and also Generation Z, the, the, the Zoomers, the ones that come after us, they don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told how to live. They want to see the choice and the consequences of that choice and make the decision for themselves. Hmm. It's, I mean, I, granted, it would be a lot easier if if we could if we could just be told if somebody could tell us this is right and this is wrong and then we just take them at their word but unfortunately the way our culture has grown and the way society works and the way how media has gotten involved and they're so extreme on both ends nobody trusts anything anybody says anymore and so everybody in my generation and the generation after us we have learned that we can't just trust people. We can't just trust what we're told or what we read. We have to test it for ourselves and make our own decisions. And that's not always good, but that is the culture that we're living in. So the, the best way that I have seen how to do this is that if you create a story with characters who are realistic and, and true to who they would be in real life, fully rounded, relatable characters who, you know, you could meet them in the supermarket and recognize them. If you can create characters like that, then readers will resonate with those characters. They'll see themselves in those characters. And at that point, when the character makes a choice and then faces a consequence of that choice, your audience will resonate with that as well. And it's not preaching. It's not, it's not telling a story. It's showing a story. And it really is showing it from a level where the reader is so engaged yes. in the life of the character, which is what everyone says. Well, that's, that's what we strive to do anyway. But today, it has to be even more visual. It has to be more showing. Mm -hmm. more showing because we have a couple generations that have been involved in the visual stimulus of video games, interactive games, mm -hmm. more television than we've ever had in the history, and so many different viewpoints that we have to be clear with what we're saying, but show it in the playing out of the life of our characters. That's right. Not and just saying church is good for you. Right. The Bible is truth. See, that's what I was believing. Mm -hmm. The Bible is truth. If someone says, what is truth? The Bible is truth. I never questioned that what was in the Bible was true. The Bible right. is truth. Today, talking with a young person and saying, well, the Bible is true. Why? Why is the Bible true? Right. Well, the Bible was, the Bible was written by people. So how do you know that's true? How do you know? So you start getting all of these questions. So you really have to invite them into the story, not drag them in 
and not point your finger at them with your words, which I can tend to do because I really want someone to get it. Right. Well, and there's, there's so much passion there because I mean, I know like you, I have witnessed the Lord in my life in such a tremendous and miraculous way. I don't want anybody to miss out on having a relationship with him. Oh my gosh, Linda, I couldn't do life without my Jesus. <laughs> he He's my best friend and we ha- we do everything together and we are on this amazing adventure together and I am so fulfilled and contented with him in my life. I don't need anything else. He's He has filled me up to overflowing and to meet other people in the world who don't have that is heartbreaking. And there's this part of me that is desperate. I just, I just want them to know my Jesus. But what ends up happening when I get my eyes like that, and when I get my perspective feeling that way, I am in danger of becoming somebody else's Holy Spirit. Mm. And my job is not to change my audience. I can't do that. I cannot change anybody's mind. My job as a storyteller and as a Christ follower is to communicate truth to my audience in the best way I know how, and then trust that the Holy Spirit will work through those words to make an impact on the people who read them. Absolutely. So let's transition here for just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd like to get to this place. So as looking at Being Christian writers, there are oftentimes that we do miss the mark when it comes to providing our readers with hope, encouragement, and truth in our stories. We can can miss that mark by doing a lot of what you're shared with us right here is that we can Mm -hmm. be preachy, we can be all of this. So how can we remedy that? When we had discussed before, you had said something about what people have to do is, is maybe understand that not every story has to be happy. That's right. So I'd like for you to expound on that if you would. Yeah. Well, you know, some of, and and I don't know if anybody else can identify with this or not, but some of the best, most hope-filled stories that I have heard in my life have been sad stories. The thing that I have learned about hope and about victory Victory specifically, and I've heard it said, my pastor once made a comment in in a message series, that victories are won in moments that don't feel like victory. They are the moments where you're standing on a battlefield before an impossible enemy and you decide to fight anyway, knowing that you're going to lose. Because when you're, when you have something that you are willing to die and sacrifice your life for, that's life. That's something that's worth living for. And that is a picture of hope. That type of hope is what inspires an audience. As writers, I mean, I think, I think we really miss the mark when we, when we write about hope because we don't actually understand it. We, we haven't really taken the time or the emotional effort because it takes a lot of emotional effort to dig into the concept of hope and what it really is. And on the surface level, I think we get hope confused with inspiration. Hmm. Because inspiration, I mean, you can, if you tell a story about hope or truth or encouragement, and if you do it well, your readers will walk away from that story feeling inspired, inspired to go do something. 
But if all you do is write an inspiring story, all they're going to get is warm fuzzies. You know, there's nothing wrong with warm fuzzies. There's a lot of warm fuzzies that, that are wonderful in life. We're coming into the, the autumn socks. season. Fuzzy yes. socks Fuzzy are socks amazing. Mm-hmm. Fuzzy blankets and a hot cup of tea and a really good book. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much my ideal evening right there. Fuzzies. Fuzzies are good. But <laughs> warm fuzzies don't necessarily equal hope. I like I kind of like to compare and contrast and say that it's it's sort of like the difference between a Hallmark movie and say a movie like uh, The Return of the King, the the third movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I mean, right there I know I'm going to kind of show off my nerdy side, but those movies, that is storytelling at some of its best. Stories that that are hopeful and full of encouragement and truth, they can be inspiring. But the thing about all three of those is that they have another side that doesn't feel inspiring. Truth, (laughs) truth is painful. It reveals things about ourselves or other people that, that we would prefer to have stayed in the dark. Truth is not always fun and it's not always happy because it's, it's shining light on our lies and on the lies that we tell ourselves. And that hurts but we can't experience victory without it. We can't change without it. Similarly, encouragement. Encouragement isn't hearing the things that you want to hear. It's hearing the things that you need to hear. Encouragement isn't just coming along and patting somebody on the back and sympathizing with them. I mean, that's wonderful to do, but that's not encouragement. Encouragement, I mean, even the word itself means to give courage to pass courage on, to infuse somebody else with courage. You know, get off your backside and get to work, even if it feels impossible. Encouragement is giving somebody else courage to do something. And hope, hope is the one that I think confuses people the most because hope isn't, it's not so much an emotion as it is a response to a belief. One of my favorite uh, passages in scripture is Romans 8. I love Romans 8. And I always, I think about Romans 8, uh, 24 and 25, talking about how hope is something that, that you can't, you can't have, un- you know, else you hope for it. It's something that you don't have yet. So you have to hope for it. Um, likewise, Hebrews 11, 1, which is probably, I think my favorite verse about hope in the entire scriptures. It's talking about that faith is the substance of what we hope for. Hope is something that we don't see. We don't have it yet. Hope is a response to a belief, something that exists in us. That's how you have hope. And that is really hard to write about. And there's no just snap your fingers and here's a story full of hope. It's not easy to do because if you do that, then you're telling and you're not showing us a story. And I I think in our kind of like what we were talking about just previously, I think too often in our earnest and real desire to help our audiences experience the joy of Christ, we substitute the warm fuzzies for real triumph. Powerful. That's powerful. And I see it. I see it happening. I see it in, in books that are written. I, I mean, I recognize that in some of my own writing. Right. And <laughs> right. Me too. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm not alone. Oh no. When I I go back and look at it, I go, what was I thinking? What what was that? Right. Yeah. 
And at the time, you know, I can go back and look at some of the things that I wrote. And at the time when I was writing it, it felt moving and real and, and encouraging and wonderful to me reading over it. I thought it was great. And then a couple of years later, I would come back and look at it. And I would look at it from the perspective of new people who I had met or other relationships that had come into my life or with the benefit of a couple of years, you know, in between where I've matured and read over it and go, oh, my goodness, this doesn't do anything. It's, it doesn't inspire anything. It doesn't, it doesn't actually even communicate what I want it to communicate. And well, let's go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, what it's, I was going to say was let's, let's go ahead and take a look at a, another, maybe compare and contrast. Yeah. Looking at some of the variations on, on conflict that might demonstrate how we can communicate hope to our readers. So I know yeah. that you do watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot I of do. movies too. <laughs> I love movies. And, and we had talked about this. There's another example that's out there that you can share with our listeners because it really does bring the point in. And yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of a visual learner as well. So as you describe this, I think it's going to help some of our listeners in their comprehending and really grabbing hold of what, what we're trying to express here about the issue of hope and making sure that it does come through. Yeah, absolutely. I do enjoy watching movies and television shows. Some of the skill and art of storytelling you can you can find uh, reflected in movies and in TV shows. And usually they're a little easier to use as examples just because it's easier to sit down and watch a 40 minute TV show than it is to read a, you know, 100,000 word book. An example that came to mind about the difference between inspiration and hope kind of came to mind as I was thinking about this. And I guess it was a few years ago. I was watching some, it was a sappy Christmas movie on, on Amazon. It was not a Hallmark movie, but it was, it was sort of designed to fit in that genre or that mindset of a Hallmark movie. And it was a gal who had lost her job or something and she couldn't find work and was going to be kicked out of her apartment if she couldn't pay the rent. And she ended up being the assistant for this guy who turned out to be a, a real-life Santa Claus, a millionaire who was giving toys away to less fortunate children in their city. I'm pretty sure she ended up with a love interest. I know that, that they met at a diner and there, were, there was like really hot chili that they ate. I believe the millionaire ended up dying of some kind of cancer with no warning. And the gal who really had hated Christmas at the time, had to find a way to press on through her troubles, even though he'd left everything to her and she would never struggle financially ever again. And she was dating a perfect guy or something like that. It was, it was sweet and it was sappy and it was perfectly sufficient for a holiday evening movie with a cup of hot cider and a cookie and my warm fuzzy socks. <laughs> but I didn't feel inspired by that movie to go out and buy toys for less fortunate children. Now, that may not have been the point of that movie. And there again, nothing nothing against Hallmark movies and nothing against movies of those of that variety, but those are not that is not a hopeful story. That is not a story that is infused with hope. It's an inspirational story, but it it doesn't move you to action. There is no response that you can take to that storyline. Now, in contrast to that, a couple of weeks ago, the local theaters here in my town re-released the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, the extended editions. And man, I hadn't seen 
those movies on the big screen in 20 years. I, I was really excited to go. And watching them again, I saw things and I learned things and I experienced emotions that I had completely missed 20 years earlier. I cried at the strangest moments. And the thing, the thing that really struck me was that the moments that affected me the most emotionally weren't the great big moments of triumph and victory. They, they weren't the obvious moments where, where you would cheer. Yeah, sure. The really great happy moments where everybody wins and everybody's happy. You do want to stand up and cheer. But that wasn't where the majority of the emotion hit me. It was in the moments in the story where it was apparent that all was lost. The characters you loved and who they loved were going to die and they were going to march into a battle that they absolutely couldn't win anyway. But they believed it was worth it. They believed the sacrifice was worth it. And so knowing that they were going to lose, they, they would march into battle anyway. And that representation of hope, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because in my own life, I face impossible circumstances, situations that I have no power to control. And I have to choose to march forward anyway, even though I'm probably going to lose. But I believe that losing is worth it because I'm here for something bigger. Uh, my life is just part of a bigger story that God is telling. And even if I lose in this life, I will have won a victory in the next life. Just seeing that represented in a story, it really encouraged me. And it filled me up and, and it emboldened me as I, I looked at my own circumstances. It wasn't a happy moment in that movie. And it was heartbreaking, but it was beautiful all the same. Sort of like the paradox of following Jesus to begin with. There's certainly nothing wrong with inspirational movies. I just don't think that lumping them together as movies that inspire hope is, is the same. They are movies that inspire good feelings and just like books that inspire good feelings and sentimentality and warmth. And those are great. But the books that inspire those warm, fuzzy feelings, we shouldn't be using those as examples to learn how to write hope. They're comforting and soothing and they can provide some stability, which <laughs> it's, it's, I've been reading some, some industry stuff about how everybody right now, especially in our post-COVID world, everybody's either going back to books that they have already read or they're going to books that are formulaic and predictable because it's some element of stability in this crazy world where there is no stability. But I tell you what, I have never watched an inspirational movie and felt inspired to sacrifice for someone else or to charge into battle against a foe that I have no hope of defeating. To do that to feel inspired to face impossible circumstances, I have to look to stories about underdogs, about heroes that have no possible chance of winning, but who choose to fight for what's right anyway. I think that is how we write about hope. We don't shy away from the sad endings. We don't ignore the fact that life is full of difficult things. We're honest about those things and authentic about our struggles with them and we represent those struggles honestly, that is what is going to stand out to people. You are absolutely correct. And I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking of the different stories that I've read. And when you know what the ending is going to be, and you know it's not 
gosh, that's not what I would have chosen. Mm-hmm. But it's so, this had to happen. It's as you said, Christ had to die the death he died for all of us to be where we are. He didn't that's opt right. for the warm fuzzy. What he there said is, was, there is going to be suffering. There is going to be difficulties. And he he walked it out so I can look at him in the word and go, he, he did what he's telling me I'm going to have to do. Yes. And there's hope. He is my hope. In, in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that's that, I believe, is the message that we as Christian storytellers are called to bring to people. A lot of wisdom there. A lot of wisdom there, Amy. I will tell well, you. Well, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have asked me before where I get my inspiration or where I look to for my concepts of these things. And this is going to sound so cliched, but I truly look to scripture. I find every story that has ever been written has its roots in the Bible, just like every character that has ever been designed in a story you can find a representation of that character in scripture. All of the evil that we face in our world, there's an example in scripture. And what I love about the Bible, I love so many things about the Bible, but God doesn't pull his punches. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he doesn't show favoritism. And even, even the characters who are, would be, we would call them the heroes of the scriptures. (laughs) We know everything bad that they did. We know how they fell and how they lost faith and and how wrong they were. And we also know that God still used them and that everything that they did wrong was still part of a plan that he's big enough to, to still make work out, even if we don't hold up our end of the bargain. And there's, I don't know, there's no greater hope for me than that. And I, it all, it, it all comes from truth. All it does. Truth. It does. And it's not always happy, No, but that's because the world is broken. Eventually we'll get a happy ending, but not until we get home. That's right. Yeah. Well, this has been, this has been powerful. I, I'm going to ask if you will prepare yourself to come back. I'd really like you to, because oh, sure. I like, also what you write. And we don't have time to get into that today, but I know that you do some extraordinary, I mean, I think I have all of your books that are out so far, (laughs) the majority of them. Primarily you write speculative fiction. And so I'm going to have you come back and talk on that. We do have the Let's Talk Tuesdays, as soon as this episode airs, will be coming on live on Facebook. So please be sure and join our Facebook group, Your Best Writing Life. And we do an after the show party with our wonderful guest, which for this show, of course, will be Amy. So she'll be in there and we'll be able to talk about some things from this particular program. You'll find out more about Amy, of course, in all of our show notes, where you can find her, where you can find her books, she has a science fiction trilogy. I just really don't want to give a lot of that away because <laughs> it covers it covers so many real issues that real people face right now. Yet it's written in such a way that it captures us and we can walk through the lives of the characters 
And for those that need closure, for those that need that hope, for those that need that reassurance, for sure it is in there, even though the characters are going through very, very difficult situations. We can't turn life into a marshmallow and say everyone's life is beautiful. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, life is going to be perfect. That that's not the case. Jesus, you can try, but it it won't go yeah. very well. <laughs> it won't go very well. It won't go very well. Nobody right, will so, read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't be on that bestseller list for sure. <laughs> All right. I know that you have something special that you want to offer our listeners today. So I'll let you go ahead and and share that before we say our our final goodbyes here. Yes, I have some lovely free things to give away. Um, I've got chapters from let's go ahead and do two of my books. Uh, Just give people a choice because there may be some major nerds out there like me who, who are into superheroes. Uh, and then may, there may be some who aren't necessarily, but I, I figure let's give away some sample chapters. Uh, we'll do some sample chapters from my superhero samurai adventure book called Ronnie Ackard and the Brotherhood of Blades. And we'll also do some sample chapters from my action comedy romance mystery go. thing. <laughs> called, it, it sort of defies its genre. If, if anybody is familiar with uh, Janet Ivanovich and the Stephanie Plum mysteries. It's it's been called a cleaner, sweeter Stephanie Plum is what this series has been called. It's it's called Steph uh, Saving Saving Sparrows is the name of the book. So we'll uh, I've got a link to get some free chapters there, and uh, you'll have that in the show notes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm right. going to have that there. I'm going to have your website there every Fabulous. which way, but. Cutting you loose, Amy. Yay! Allow everyone to get in touch with you in our show notes. Cool. So this will be great. You have yeah. been fabulous. You've been fabulous today. Thank you so well, thank very you. much. So have you. You're awfully good at this. You know, my job is easy. <laughs> I just bring on amazing guests and let them kind of do what they're going to do. And I, so it makes it easy for me. I'll encourage everyone to visit amycwilliams.com. Find out more about Amy there. Of course, please take advantage of downloading everything that we have. And we also have our monthly writer's tips and soul care tips for writers changes every single month. So please make sure that you get a copy of those from our show notes. Amy, I do hope that you will come back and be with us here again. I would love to. This has been a blast. Yay. It'll be good. And thank you, my friends. Thank you for joining us. Please, if you would, take a moment to subscribe. Give us a little rating there. A few stars would help. And always, if you can, write a review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you right here next time on Your Best Writing Life.